Welcome to Love Rules, the radio ministry of Roxbury Presbyterian Church in Boston. My mom, Liz Walker, was Boston's first African-American television news anchor, but her most important job is what she does right now at RPC, preaching the good news about God's love. The Bible says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. How does that work? Join my mom now as she offers us Love Rules from Roxbury Presbyterian Church. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Love Rules. Today's message is called, The Stakes Are Too High. Our text is from 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, the 1st through the 13th verses. I'm going to read the first two verses of that text. As we work together with God, we urge you also not to accept the grace of God in vain. For he says, At an acceptable time I have listened to you, and on a day of salvation I have helped you. See, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. I have always believed that God's calling to God's people has a sense of urgency about it. Now, that doesn't mean I'm here to predict the date of the end times. I'm not going to preach about that. What it means is there's so many distractions in this world that make it move faster and make us move away from God. That is the tone of this letter Paul writes to the Corinthians. It is a dramatic appeal to a church that has lost its way. Paul writes, As we work together with God, we urge you also not to accept the grace of God in vain. In other words, don't take God's grace for granted. Now is the time to do what we're called to do. Not to do it or to wait would be problematic. The stakes are too high. The church in Corinth has been struggling with lifestyle and faith. Surrounded by idolatry and immorality in a wealthy city known for its looseness, the Christians are losing their focus on God. Paul has had more trouble with this church than any other. He's already sent one letter dealing with idolatry and sexuality, confusion over marriage and spiritual gifts. Now the same church has been infiltrated by false teachers who are not only twisting God's truth, but they're also denying Paul's authority and questioning his motives. In the second letter, Paul spends a lot of time explaining himself. This is where you hear the text, We have this treasure in clay jars, so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God. Paul wants the church to know that he's been through some stuff. He writes of afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, riots, sleepless nights. But everything he's been through and everything he's done has been in obedience to Jesus. Paul believes the stakes are too high not to give his all. Paul tells his own story in an attempt to motivate the believers. If you are working for God, Paul wants these folks to know, it matters what you do and how you live all the time. So this is not about what we're going to do when we grow stronger and learn more. Our spiritual journey really is what we're doing right now. And Paul says we should be building up. God's church. You see, this story, this text, this scripture is about the church. Sometimes we as believers forget that's what this life is all about, church. Now, I don't mean what church you go to or what your denomination is. I don't mean doing church. I mean building and growing up the community of God. You are not in this alone. 
I'm not talking about physical structures. I'm not talking about the number of members in any particular body. The Greek word for church, ecclesia, is literally translated as calling out. It refers to the people of God called out in the world and called into the life and service of God. So in Matthew, when when Jesus tells Peter, on this rock I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail, he's not referring to a structure. He's referring to building up a people of God who collectively, as a body, are to be more powerful than hell itself. Nothing can prevail against these set-apart people. That is who we are. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, we can reach unimaginable heights in our worship of God, in our spiritual growth, in our support of each other, in our discipling each other, and in our service to the world. In other words, church work is the most important work there is. That's why the stakes are high. We are doing the real important stuff, the stuff that comes with God building God's kingdom. How does it work? Well, according to Paul, God has reconciled us to himself through Jesus and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We are ambassadors of Christ since God is making his appeal through us. This is all the word that Paul gives us in 2 Corinthians. This is the work we're charged with doing, a ministry of reconciliation. God brings us back to him, blots out our sins, makes us righteous. That's the only way we can be righteous, through God. And then we encourage others to follow suit. That's evangelism and discipleship. At first, it sounds, well, that's a job specifically for preachers. After all, it's a preacher's job to spread the good news about redemption and salvation. But when you really study the word, you begin to see this concept of reconciliation is for all of us. I love to kind of investigate and probe these words, as you can see. And the Greek translation for reconciliation is katalage. It simply means to change or make otherwise. Of course, God initiates the process when Jesus went to the cross. But as we who are part of the church are touched by Jesus and our hearts are filled with Jesus and and we can live lives like Jesus, well, we can be a part of this reconciliation process. What does that mean? Well, Matthew 5, 24 gets right to the point. If you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. We have to work out our issues with each other. We have to forgive each other, offer grace to each other, make peace. Those are all words of reconciliation. And that is the business of the church, and it is serious business. As members of the body of Christ, we should be able to make peace and work things out because we are guided by God. You see, we're not like political diplomats. We are spiritual ambassadors. Our discernment is based on God's word. You can't get to wisdom that's higher than that. And therein lies the rub. Because what happened to the Corinthian church, what happens to all churches, what happens to all of us, is that we become distracted and forget this charge. Then we start taking care of our business like the world does. 
The Corinthian church began to think that the only way to relate to the world was to be like the world. The world began to impact the church more than the church could impact the world. You see, when that happens, you start having bigger problems. Corinth was home to the temple of Aphrodite, the goddess of love. And according to tradition, folks who were seeking the goddess of love were looking for love in all the wrong places and paying for it too. So some of that sin and degradation seeped into the church. The church not only declined morally in Corinth, but began to behave in many other ways like the world. There were disagreements, rivalries, arguments, and and conflict, direct conflict. Because they were not focused on God, church folks easily fell victim to bad influences. And then when these false teachers came in, well, they sounded just as good as anything else. So people began to listen and they began to believe. But in doing that, they left God behind. Now today, the issue may not be quite as dramatic as back then, at least not in some churches, but the problem is still the same. I like to speak as if I'm speaking to a church because as members of the body of Christ, we all represent the church. We get so distracted today by the outside world, trying to be like the world, think like the world, act like the world, and sadly, instead of taking on the high-stakes business of what God wants us to do, we get caught up in the low-stakes game. We get caught up in, in what's happening in our neighborhood or trying to survive or maybe fundraising for a church, but not really understanding what church is all about. In the busyness of trying to be people of God, sometimes we forget about the business of trying to be people of God. And that business is witnessing to the world about the chaos of sin, helping the world see the need to be reconciled with God. That is serious business. And it is business that we should be doing day in, day out, not just with our words, but with our lives. God's desire is reconciliation. You and I are God's tools We are called to be peacemakers in the world, in the community, in our homes, in our families. How do we change things? Well, you can't say you love God if you don't show love to your neighbor. You can't say you honor God's forgiveness if you can't forgive your husband or your father or your mother or that person across the street or even a person representing another culture. You can't be straight with God if you're not straight with each other. There is simply too much at stake. God says, at an acceptable time, I have listened to you, and on a day of salvation, I have helped you. See, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Don't think about it in terms of, I'm going to do good down the road, or I'm going to change my life tomorrow. We really don't have that time. For a day in the Lord's economy is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. The time to act is now. The time to love is now. The time to forgive is now. The time to witness is right now. You don't have to pull out scriptures necessarily, but you should be living the life that God has called you to. The now that we talk about in this text is translated in Greek as kairos. Now, kairos is a divine measurement of time. 
Chronos is chronological time, one o'clock, two o'clock. Kairos is God's time. It's not judged by succession of duration. It's judged by value. It means an opportune moment. You have the opportunity right now to show God's love. You have the opportunity right now to be reconciled with the world, with God. You won't always have it. Now is the acceptable time. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Roxbury Presbyterian Church is located at 328 Warren Street, right in the heart of Roxbury. Come worship with us on Sundays at 11 a.m. This is a listener-supported program. We invite you to partner with us and learn the many ways that love rules. Visit us on our website, roxburypresbyterianchurch.org, or call us at 617-445-2116. Love will reign.